You're listening to The One Pridecast. Hello and welcome to The One Pridecast presented by MGM Grand Detroit. I'm Tori Petrie and joining me today on the podcast is the one and only Mike O'Hara. Mike, thank you for doing this. Well, I'm glad I'm the one and only, but first of all, hey, uh, this Wednesday morning, thanks for the coffee and scones. It's a nice touch. Good way to start the day. <laughs> I know, Did right? Did you make these or buy them? Uh, I totally made them. Handmade. Okay. Handmade. <laughs> Did you wash your hands? Of course. <laughs> Did the whole 20 seconds and everything. I got you, Mike. Okay, good. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, we are starting a conversation on the regular season. We took a little bit of a pause uh, from the podcast throughout training camp because things were just so crazy and different during training camp. But, Mike, it is so crazy. We are actually talking about an actual football game today. You know, Troy, when we all drove back from uh, from the Combine last, like the, either end of February or the beginning of March, I forget exactly which you and me and Tim and, and, and uh, Lindsey Miller, uh, my boss, your boss, Tim's boss, everybody's boss. Uh, <laughs> did you ever think that, that as, as we were hearing the reports about the COVID-19 or the coronavirus, say like a month later, do you think we were going to start on time or is this sort of a gift, a gift to us that we're going to actually start the National Football League on time? I feel like back then at that very point, I thought we might start on time because I thought it was just going to be, you know, a couple of weeks type of thing. But then as the summer went on, I wasn't sure if we would. And so now I am very, very thankful that we are. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it it is absolutely mind-blowing to me even this week talking to players and coaches and actually previewing an opponent. We've spent so much of the summer just talking about virtual work and about having a shortened training camp, and it's been those types of questions over and over and over, and for good reason, because it was a very, very different offseason, but now we're actually asking questions about the Bears' defense, the Bears' offense, and it's like actually hitting me. We're having football this week. And it's a, and it's, you know what, and it's a good thing. I'm glad. I really am. I'm not, you know, I love the national football. I love covering the games, and I'm glad it's here. I sure am too. And we get to talk about this game this weekend. And Mike, I think let's start here. Let's start with Matthew Stafford. I know I know you'll be pleased to start talking about that one. <laughs> I mean, we haven't seen him since week nine of last season. He missed the second half of last season. And obviously it's been a very, very long time since then. It feels like it's been ages because of the way the world has gone since then. What are you expecting from him in 2020? You know, I don't know if you exactly pick up where you left off because nobody picks, or I shouldn't say nobody, but it's hard to pick up on opening day where you finished in week 17 or the playoffs or wherever it was just because of the lapse of time, the change in personnel and so on. But, you know, as you know, Tori, Matthew Stafford was playing great football when he went out uh, in, in game nine or at the end of game nine against the, 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 uh, against the Raiders, now Las Vegas Raiders, I guess they are. And, you know, he was, you know, 2,499 yards passing, 19 touchdowns, five interceptions. But just the command of Daryl Bevel's offense after, you know, after eight games, you know, the new coordinator, I, I likened it to, it was sort of like a blackjack dealer, you know, dealing off the bottom of the deck and knowing where all the aces were. He just, <laughs> you hear that at MGM Grand, but, you know, he, but, uh, but he just had it. You know what I'm saying? You, you just look at him. He, he didn't even have to be a football fan to look at him, that this athlete, and say, wow, he's got it. That's the way you do it. And unfortunately, he went out, unfortunately for him, and unfortunately for the Detroit Lions, they didn't win another game. They went from 3-4-1 and to 3-12-1. And, and I'd expect more of the same. Now, whether it's opening day, it's whether it's the 
you know, first half against the, you know, come out slinging against the Bears or, or a week or two. But he, I think he's going to play great football again. I wouldn't be surprised, Tori, if he has a second, you know, 5,000-yard uh, passing uh, season, uh, 40 touchdowns again, really replicate wow. what he did in 2011. Under you know pretty similar circumstances, you know he missed a lot of time in 2010, as you know the second year of, of, with the Lions, and then came back and just came out firing. 5,038 yards, 41 touchdowns, a 10 and six record for the Lions, and really I don't think they had the team then that the Detroit Lions have right now. I really don't. I think they have more depth at, at wide receiver now. I think they should be better defensively than that team, which really couldn't stop anybody late in the year. So I'm expecting big things from Matthew Stafford. Uh, of course, I always do. The guy's one of the great talents in any sport I've ever covered in my life. Those those are great points by you. And, and Stafford was on pace for a 5,000-yard season, obviously, when he went down last year. So, uh, you know, I think that from – what I can tell of him, he seems fired up to actually get back out there on the field. I think he's missed it. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people see his demeanor in press conferences and wonder to see you know, how how because he he gives basically the same answers over and over. Now it's a lot different at his at his locker when it's one on one or just a couple of the guys talking to him. But but he's absolutely motivated. The guy loves loves playing football. He loves playing quarterback. He loves winning. And you just look at some of the things in the off season that. You know, the informal workouts he held in California and his place down in Atlanta and that out here at a high school uh, uh, high school uh, uh, football field out in, in the northern suburbs of Detroit. He's absolutely committed to winning. He's committed to making that team better. And you ask anybody who's ever played with him, any receiver, any running back, the guy's got the goods. He really does. Well, you mentioned those receivers, having Marvin Jones Jr., Kenny Galladay, Danny Amendola, having all three of those guys return, how big is that for him this year? Well, let's throw in, you know, Marvin Hall with what was it, seven catches for 600 yards? Yeah, or 37 like that. yards per catch average. Yeah, well, isn't that something? And, you know, by the way, that's that's the quarterback finding a guy, too. He's probably not even in the progression in some of those plays, and Matthew was able to yeah. find him. Let's not forget TJ Hawkinson and go down a little bit, a little deeper to maybe, you know, uh, Quintez Cephas, the rookie from from Wisconsin, this is really, really a really a good group of receivers. And, and yeah, he's got options. Yeah, and you know, Galladay is he made the Pro Bowl. He's I don't think he'll ever be like a high volume pass catcher. You know, like like Michael Thomas, he'll get 130 catches. Like he had what 65 last year, 18 yards per catch, and and led the league with 11 touchdowns. And I think I think maybe he's going to be an 80, 85 catch guy, but just major impact. You know, getting the ball in the end zone. You know. Uh, uh, Danny Amendola and Marvin Jones Jr. both, I think, had 62 catches. That's really spreading the ball. But the guy I think who's going to step up bigger than he did a year ago is T.J. Hawkinson. Look, rookie okay. year, he started he started great, Tory at, at Arizona in the opener. Then kind of faded a little bit. You know, had his ups and downs, maybe more downs than ups before finally going out. You know, with an injury, I think it was week 12. But I looked, saw him in, a little bit in training camp, and he, he looked to me like the same very very impressive rookie of a year ago in training camp but better wow yeah i i i definitely agree on all of those points and being able to work another year with daryl bevel is huge as well and the one thing we haven't touched on is the run game obviously the lines have had some injuries there during training camp bo scarborough is on ir deandre swift the rookie has not been able to practice throughout all of training camp uh he's practiced here and there just hasn't been consistently out there what do you feel like the run game brings this year 
Well, I don't know, you know, until proven otherwise, more of the same. And, and the thing is, they got two new starters on the right side of the offensive line, one of them being a rookie. Until proven otherwise, I think it's more of the same. You know, I, look, Kerryon Johnson had a really nice start uh, as a rookie before he went out with an injury. But last year, he averaged, what, 3.7 yards per carry. Now, some of that was carrying the ball at short yardage. When you have four attempts inside the one-yard line, that's going to wreak havoc with your average per carry. But didn't see the same, you know, just didn't see the same breakaway ability from him in year two as you did in year one. Now, some of that's the offensive line. They've got to get you going so you can get into the secondary and make people miss. But, you know, like I said, until until I see more, it, it looks it looks like more of the same. The Adrian Peterson signing, I mean, why not? I think that's no risk. I mean, it's, 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 it's a money risk to a small degree, but there's a guy who's had almost 2,000 yards rushing in the last two seasons, the ages of 34 and 35, I think it is. And, Tori, the one thing I look at in, in any running back, but especially an older one, is yards per carry. Is he you know, one of those guys who just keeps, you know, 3.4, 3.5 yards per carry? No, he averaged 4.2 two years ago, 4.3 yards per carry last year. I think he can bring something to the Detroit Lions. How big of a piece do you feel like he will be in that run game, especially early on? Well, I think, you know, some games more than others, I think, as, as it develops. Look, one thing about him, he's not like a guy they signed late, you know, late in training camp and hadn't been with a team. He'd just been cut by the Washington football team. And so he's been, you know, he's been practicing, he's been training, all of that. So they're getting a guy who's, who's you know, who's, who's really should be in, in, in as much in football shape as anybody can be under the circumstances of the off-season and training camp programs this year. So I think they got him at a good time. And everybody's ever watched the guy play, and I know you have too. Yeah. Absolutely loves football, loves the game, loves to be around. Well, he's on his – look, he's headed for the Hall of Fame if he, if he quit today, but he's on his fifth or sixth team and, and wants to play more. And so, you know, let him do it in Detroit. Football is back. The 2020 NFL season is kicking off with even more ways to get into the game. Thanks to BetMGM, an official partner of the Detroit Lions. This year, Lions fans can play along for free during all the action and win great prizes, including the grand prize each week of an MGM Resorts trip package. Just download the Lions mobile app and register to play Lions Bingo each and every week. Play along during every game, and once you hit bingo, you score. All thanks to BetMGM. Learn more by visiting the official Lions mobile app now. Well, Mike, I think that that touches on this offense and and expectations for it. I think it's safe to say that we expect that will probably be the Lions' strength this year is their offense. The question is how their defense will play. Obviously needed a lot of improvements on that 2019 season, but they've made a lot of changes on the defense throughout the offseason. What are you thinking we'll see from the defense this year? Well, I think they'll be more aggressive. You know, I really do. And, and you know, I put together some statistics. These, these are just my own. But you look at the uh, at, at the way that, you know, they, they just couldn't hold leads. They had six fourth-quarter leads and couldn't, couldn't hold them last year. I went back and looked at all this and charted it out and added it up. And and I'm sure my math is right. Not not right with my checkbook, but it is with my statistics. <laughs> but, you know, Charlie, in the 12 games they lost, they gave up 117 yards in the fourth quarter and scored only 59. You throw in the you throw in the uh, tie in the opener, and it's 135 points they gave up in the fourth quarter. Mm. They didn't give up any in overtime in that one, by the way, and and and, and scored only seven. So it's you, you can't when you're up, when you're being outscored two to one in the fourth quarter, you're not going to win. And you know what? They didn't. Yeah. Now some of that's on the offense. You know, you get one more first down, hold the ball, and and, and the other team can't score, and you know you're kneeling down and, and going to the locker room with a win. Well, that didn't happen. So, 
there's a couple of statistics you look at to me that are keys. And one of them is, I think they had 28 uh, sacks last year. That's, they were some tied for like 29th in the league and seven interceptions, seven. I think they were in a three-way tie for, for the last or three-way tie for 31st. If you're not getting to the quarterback, you're not going to cause, you're not going to cause turnovers. It's just the way it is because you get pressure on the quarterback. You make him throw the ball before he wants to, you hit him. You cause fumbles, you cause you cause tip balls, you call you cause incompletions. They did none of that last year on any sort of consistent basis. That is something that has to be has to has to improve. And once again, like we talked about the running game, until proven otherwise, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. All right. Well, one of the big questions is how Jeff Okuda will play mm-hmm. and if he will play yeah. a significant role on this team the Lions brought in Desmond Trufant uh, to play one of those corner positions obviously they traded away Darius Slay early in the offseason but they pick up Jeff Okuda uh, we've seen a lot from Amani Oruarie starting uh, playing with the starters at least during training camp we'll see what that ends up looking like in week one what do you expect from him early on in the season here Mike? Well, if we're talking about uh, Okuda, I'm not sure if he's going to start or not. It might be Ruari. Yeah. We both said it right, by the way. <laughs> <clears throat> no, there are only three people in the world who do it. That's you, me, and Ruari. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I think the important thing for me with Okuda right now is is would it be better if he if he if he absolutely won the job and started? Yeah, but I want to see how many snaps he plays. If he's a rookie on the bench and he plays, you know, 15 snaps in the opener, I go. Eh, not so good. But if he just play, takes a regular as the third cornerback or whatever or in certain situations and they bring him along until he's really familiar with everything, then I'll say, okay, that, that's, that's, that's about what you would, would expect for a first-year uh, defensive back. But I, I really think this, and you mentioned you know, trading away Darius Slay. Look, I think they lost their best cornerback by some margin, maybe not an overwhelming margin. But I think they're top four when you get to Trufant and – and Justin Coleman, the slot cornerback, and the other two guys we just mentioned, I think the top four right now is better than the top four cornerbacks they had last year. And I'm like, yeah. you know, the slot guy as a cornerback. And it's also, if the other three guys play, you know, good solid football, this lets Justin Coleman go back in the slot and stay there. Yeah. Or he played very, very well last year, not so well on the outside after injuries forced him to change positions. His home is inside the slot. That's he was good there before. He was good there when he got to Detroit last year. Not Like I said, not so good playing outside. Yeah, that's a great point by you with him moving back inside. Then you have the safety position, some changes there as well. Tracy Walker returns, but then you bring in Duran Harmon, who looks like he will play a significant role on this defense. Uh, the Lions traded for him with the New England Patriots. He's familiar with this system. What do you think the safety position looks like this year? Well, I like you know, Tracy Walker. I think he's going to be a good uh, – he's already a good young player who yeah. developed, I thought. But he really brought something in his second year after his, after his rookie year, and he just sort of has a presence back there. You know, a guy who plays with, with assurance. He likes – you know, he, in other words, he can react to what he sees. Not every player can do that. You know, he doesn't have to sit and think, 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 and, oh, I got it now, now I'm going to move. Oops, I'm sorry, he's in the end zone already. I just think – I think he's a good, young, solid player. I'd like to see more of Will Harris – a draft pick last year. He kind of came on strong late in the season. I thought he played good, tough player. Maybe you know, maybe he needs just to kind of slow down, get his feet under him a little bit, and like I said, react quicker to what he sees or more assuredly to what he sees. But I think it's an I think it's an improved improved group than they had uh, at the end of last season. And I 
gives them some options. I know they like to play, at least in the past, they like to play a lot of safeties in different situations and, you know, different packages and all that. And I think we'll see some of that again this year under the new uh, coordinator, Corey Unlin. Yeah, that definitely uh, will play a factor into this defense, having a new guy at the helm. Uh, he told us he will be the one calling the plays. Obviously, the plays run through the head coach, uh, but that he will be the one calling the defensive <laughs> plays uh, this season. What are you laughing at, Mike? No, I should, now, now we know who to blame. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, one thing, uh, Tori, I think that, that Corey uh, Unlin brought to the Lions, and this is no knock against anybody else, but it's one of the things I always look at, anybody in any sort of management or leadership position, uh, do they have command, do they make contact with the people they're talking to? And there's no doubt that Corey Unlin does that. Now, there's more to it than that, but he sure. just impresses me as a guy who can st- stand in front of a room of people whether it's talking to the media, players and all that, and, and get across a message and keep people's eyes and attention yeah. on him by the way he delivers his messages. I think that's very, very important. I've seen many, many coaches who are smart people and they kind of looked at their shoe tops when they talked to people and then, and, and never really, really never really advanced, advanced to the level where this was a guy you believed in. I think people believe in Corey. Unlin. I would absolutely agree with that. Definitely. Uh, the Lions brought in some some faces at linebacker as well. Jamie Collins will probably have a big role on this defense. And then you have Jelani Tavai going into his second year. Jared Davis playing in a contract year. Uh, Christian Jones, the Lions uh, bring back as well. What's your impressions of the linebacker position and what we should expect from them? Well, it's you know a lot of the same guys are back and they have to play better. Jelani should you know in the second year you would think so. Jared Davis waiting to see exactly what his role is going to be, how much, you know, he put on six, eight pounds of, of pure muscle. Look, no one's ever doubted his effort, his commitment, all of that stuff. It just hasn't translated yet into playmaking. Although I thought two years ago at the end of 2018, I thought he had got, he had, he had developed some skills as a pass rusher. I think he had six sacks. And the next step for him was to not just beat guys with speed, but be able to beat guys one-on-one. I mean, in other words, not just, get the advantage in a blitz situation sure. to beat somebody one-on-one. You know, Terry, as you know, he worked on that in the offseason with one of those pass rush gurus, unfortunately hurt his ankle early and really was never, I think, fully healthy and able to play at the highest level or his highest level. I I think this will be, like you said, contract year, a very, very important year. One guy we haven't mentioned, Reggie Ragland, a player I've always liked. In fact, I, I made him – I sent him to the Detroit Lions with my first mock draft at Bob Quinn's first year. Yeah, I remember. I know, and he, then he, I also hope you do not remember that he went in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> I was a man ahead of my time, okay? <laughs> he ended up here in the long run, so really yeah. you were correct. But, you know, he's really kind of a bouncy, you know, guy, uh, upbeat guy. Well, he should be. He just won a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs, but but he's been a playmaker, too. And so I, I, I'm curious to see what, you know, what, how he'll impact the snap count, how much he'll play. Just, you know, I don't know that'll all, you know, we'll start to find those, find the answers to those questions on Sunday against the Bears. But I think he can be probably more of, more of a, a, a bigger addition than we really thought. And then you mentioned Jamie Collins. I think he can, I think he's the one guy with versatility who can do a lot of things. He can rush the play, pass or play the run and drop into coverage and, 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 and cover maybe a back and a tight end and really give them some help in an area where they needed help, I would think. Last question for you here on the defense. Is the defensive line going to get better penetration, better pressure on the quarterback than they did last year? 
Well, I remember when they, you know, when they signed Mike Daniels just before the start of training camp, I think it was, and Snacks Harrison was coming back. I remember, I think it was the free press, or maybe it was the news, when they signed Daniels said one of the lion, one of the NFL's best defensive lines just got better, and it didn't. And you know, no dis- right. disrespect to Mike Daniels, he got hurt and he was never the player that they that they signed. And it's, it's not a player's fault that he's hurt. It just happened. Snacks Harrison. Too many snacks, you know. He really just didn't didn't work out. Didn't have a good year, and I don't think he's with a team as we speak right now. So, I think they'll be better if they stay healthy. I think Deshaun Hand is an absolutely vital part of that because his his from what he showed as a fourth round draft pick out of Alabama two years ago, really a, a, a really a good athlete with just a kind of a knack for playing football. I mean, some of those guys, some guys you look at and you go, look, he just knows how to play, and I think Deshaun Hand was part of that. Uh, that 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 group of players who can do that, unfortunately, was hurt all of last year. Played what three games, five games, whatever it was. Really, a low impact and no impact because he was hurt. So if he can stay healthy and play, play you know, play defensive end, play the three technique, play the nose up and down the defensive line, it will certainly make uh, 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 make a major impact for that for that front uh, three or front four, or however they decide to play him on a play to play basis. But once again. They've got to do it. They've got to, you know, they haven't shown it yet, but they, they've got to do it. It's absolutely vital that they get some penetration up front against the run and get to the quarterback. Well, Mike, I was just about to say, let's start talking about the Bears because we've talked about the roster, but we haven't touched on special teams, and we got to. It is important this year because there are changes there. The Lions have Jack Fox as their punter. There was a punter battle during training camp that was a difficult decision for the Lions coaches and and staff to make. Uh, But Jack Fox is going to be your punter. Don Muehlbach returns as your long snapper. Obviously, you have uh, Matt Prater, who has always been money for the Lions, but you also have a new special teams coordinator. How important will special teams be this year? Well, you know, absolutely. If you just hold your own on special teams, that, that's you know, that's part of the game. If you, the big part, big thing is don't give anything away. Don't have fumbles. Don't have. Don't allow you know big returns and all that. You know, the Lions have been pretty good on special teams over the years, but they've had an awful lot of turnover in coordinators in the last three or four years. And and, and you know, Braden, you know, really comes highly recommended from the Cincinnati Bengals, a good upbeat guy with, with energy. That's what you really expect in a, in a special teams coach, you know, with the new punter, you know, it's, it's not just the punting though. There's an awful lot that goes into the, into that position. He's also the holder for kicks. And look, Matt Prater had, you know, had the same guy, guy for what was it? Seven years, same punter, or same holder uh, for six years, seven years, whatever it was. You get that there's, there's a timing thing there. And I think, you have to get that down in game conditions. So that's it's a really it seems like a small thing, but it's a huge thing if it doesn't work. And I'm not saying it's not going to work. Don't get me wrong, but it's just it's just something something to watch. Paul Agnew, if he's back, returning punts and kickoffs. I think they've got one of the elite return men in the National Football League. And you know he really what he showed as a wide receiver in training camp uh, solidified his position and also kept him on the roster as a return man. So I think in that regard, Tory. I think they're in pretty good shape. Just like I said, a couple of things that they're watching. That's all. All right. Now let's talk about the Chicago Bears. What do the Lions need to do on Sunday in order to come away with the win in week one? Well, we got to block the front four. And, and it, it, it's better now than it was a year ago. Look, two years ago they had, just to show you this correlation, I looked this up just for, just for this segment. Two years ago they had 50 sacks and 27 pass interceptions. 
Okay, sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Last year, with injuries and lack of production, they had 32 sacks and 10 pass interceptions. It goes to show you that when you get to the quarterback, it's, it's the it's the sacks, it's the hits, it's the pressure, it's getting him off his spot. You cause turnovers. That's a tremendous drop in interceptions from one year to the next, from 27 in 2018 to 10. Now they signed they they signed a free agent Robert Quinn going into his 10th year now. He had 11 and a half sacks last year for the Dallas Cowboys. He'll play one of the defensive end positions. Akeem Hicks returns. He was a Pro Bowl player in 2018. He really looks like a tackle, plays like a defensive end. Big guy, great, you know, great team guy, leader type of guy. He went out after five games last year. So there are reasons that, you know, that, that, that they lost some of their, you know, lost some of their pass rush capability. And then again, Khalil Mack, who broke in, you know, he was, he was acquired in a trade in September of 2018, just before the start of the season from the Raiders, had 12 and a half sacks, eight of them in the first eight games, two of them against the Detroit Lions. Last year he had eight and a half sacks, and really he was just a good player. He wasn't an impact player. So if you get those those the two guys that they're adding, Akeem Hicks off the injured list, uh, uh, Quinn, the guy that they signed as a free agent, and then you get Khalil Mack playing back to the way they pl- he played two years ago. You have a really a formidable front uh, front four for the Chicago Bears, and to me, that's really the strength and the key to that defense. Well, and and what's even more is that that front four is going up against a Lions offensive line that has a rookie starting and a, some new faces there as well. So there's some different dynamics there on, on, on the Lions offensive line that they have a huge challenge in front of them for their first game together as a starting five. Yeah, and you know, like Jonah Jackson, look, a really good player at Ohio State. And I'm sure, Tori, as you recall, I think he really made a good connection here in Detroit, a good impression when he was asked on after being drafted here why he – stayed another year after four years at Rutgers and played one year at Ohio State. And he said he wanted to get the experience of winning, of competing for national championships, competing for banners and, and all that other stuff. And I said, I thought that really, not just I thought that, but a lot of people, I think, thought that that really showed a lot of character, how important it was for him to be in a winning atmosphere, going from winning, I think it was nine games in four years at Rutgers, you know, to making the national playoffs in, in Ohio State the next year. And so, he brings that, looks like a good player, but on the other hand, he's a rookie, and as somebody said to me, just wait till Akeem Hicks lines up right over him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we get to see welcome, that this week. <laughs> welcome to the National Football League. Now, you know what? You never know. You, I've seen guys step in and, and, and play well right from the beginning. None better than our good pal Lomas Brown at left tackle in 1985 as a first-round draft pick, but that's rare. Doesn't mean he's going to get beat on every play, but it's, it's certainly something you have to scheme for. If you're an offensive coordinator and Hank Fraley, the offensive line coach, have to you know scheme for the fact or the, or the, not, the, the reality is that he's going to see things he's never seen before on a football field. Well, since we are talking about this game on Sunday, let's do something new this week. We're going to do Mike's Pick of the Week presented by MGM Grand Detroit. Mike, I want you to tell us who you think is going to win Lions versus Bears on Sunday at 1 p.m. Okay, and I'll throw a little bit of background in there, and I polish this off just for you, Tori. <laughs> and I'm going to use your money when I bet. No, just okay. kidding. Okay. Uh, you know, look, Mitchell Trubisky has won his last three starts against the Lions after losing his first two as a rookie in 2017, and he put up you know, great numbers against them. He said nine touchdown passes against one interception in those last three games. Did not play on Thanksgiving two, two years ago because of an injury. 
So you think, oh, the Bears have the Lions number. Well, not so fast, my friend. Matthew Stafford from 2013 to 2017 was 9-1 against the Chicago Bears. He had their number. 9-1 beats 4-0 in my book any day of the week. I like the Detroit Lions to win something like 26-13. to 13. Uh, part of it is because I picked them to win, make the playoffs this year with a 10 and six record. All right. uh, the Bears, the Bears have not been a consistent winning team for the last decade. I think the Detroit Lions are on the rise, and I think they'll win this game. I'm not going to say easily, but convincingly. Nothing's easy in pro football, but I think they'll win it convincingly. All right. I think that is music to many Lions fans' ears. It will be an exciting one to watch on Sunday. Unfortunately, no fans in the stadium. This season will look a lot different than what we are used to. We at least know that these first two home games, one in September, one in October, will not have fans. Mike, do you think that affects outcomes of games at all? How, how does that play into the season? Tori, sometimes it can affect a team. I'll go back to 2011, a game that you probably heard us talk about over and over and over, but the Lions started that season 5-0. and And the fifth game was a Monday night football game against the Chicago Bears at Ford Field. It was the Lions' first game on, on a Monday night football since the 2001 season, and the crowd went absolutely bananas. I think it was the biggest biggest regular season crowd the Lions have had there, not counting the Super Bowl, of course, uh, Super Bowl 40, and the Bears' offensive line had, I think it was 10 false starts because of the noise, and they finally settled down in the fourth quarter, but before that, it was just one right after the other. They couldn't hear the signals. They were reacting to noise, and yes, there can be an impact, but it doesn't happen probably as much as we think it does, I think, but I think it can help. We'll find out. We will find out indeed. At least we will have cutouts in the stands, and there will be fan crowd noise uh, played over the loudspeakers. We've talked about those cutouts. Uh, I believe the deadline is passed for you to get one for this week, but if you guys are interested for the rest of uh, the year at Ford Field, you can go on DetroitLions.com slash cutouts uh, to check those out. You know what, Mike? I want Mike Cutout to be sitting next to you in the press box. Well, I prefer you to the cutout, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be nice if we could be there in person. But since we can't, I guess we'll take the cutouts. Mike, I will miss, uh, you know, what our normal game days look like. That's for sure. But I know we're going to try and, and bring the fans the best content and coverage that we can, considering the circumstances. Well, absolutely. They may not get to the games, but they can go to DetroitLions.com and read great coverage from people like Tim Twentyman, uh, the stuff that you do, and videos and all that, John Bondegarden. You know, Derek Heitman and those guys do a great job of bringing just some really, some that whole thing, that whole video package is just some of the best that you'll ever see anywhere, any sport, any level. Oh, I love that plug. I didn't even pay you for it, Mike. Now I owe you. Oh, boy. You, you know what? Better to owe, better for me to, you to owe me than to pay me. I'll hold something <laughs> over you forever. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. Mike, thank you so much for all of your insight. We appreciate it. It's so fun to talk about a game with you today. I appreciate you coming on the One Pridecast presented by MGM Grand Detroit. It's been a blast. Okay, thanks for having me. Rock on, Tori Petri. <laughs> Football is back. The 2020 NFL season is kicking off with even more ways to get into the game. Thanks to BetMGM, an official partner of the Detroit Lions. This year, Lions fans can play along for free during all the action and win great prizes, including the grand prize each week of an MGM Resorts trip package. Just download the Lions mobile app and register to play Lions Bingo each and every week. Play along during every game, and once you hit bingo, you score. All thanks to BetMGM. Learn more by visiting the official Lions mobile app now. 